Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Hill. Welcome into the WAC Podcast, Eric Danner and Rachel Hill. Eric, it is officially May. May the 4th be with you. It is May. It's hard to believe. We say that I feel like a broken record every month, but I can't believe it's May, but we're, we're almost to the finish line, I guess, uh, in terms of what a spring it's been. So many championships, so much excitement this uh, this spring, Rachel, and more excitement uh, the, even this past week. This past weekend, Eric, you were out in Las Cruces where GCU was able to win two championships. So, so much excitement. Uh, been to several tennis championships over the years, Rachel. I have never seen as exciting a match as uh, Grand Canyon, New Mexico State for the men's title. It was our second championship of the day. Comes down three to three. Uh, court number four, they're in the third set for a championship. Everybody's kind of gathered around and screaming and yelling and, and so exciting. And Jonathan De Silva, the freshman of the year, wins the point. Team uh, rallies around him and then he gets put up on the shoulders. I don't think I've ever seen that in person either. That would have to be a top play all on its own right there. <laughs> the women also their first time heading out to the NCAA regionals. Yeah, a little hard to believe that GCU with all the success they've had over the years, first time uh, getting to the NCAAs, but it's the first time they've won the tournament, won several regular season championships even before they were uh, allowed to participate in the NCAA. So congratulations to Greg Prudhomme and his staff, and we're going to have a great interview with him coming up in segment number two. You're definitely going to want to stick around to listen to that one. And that wasn't the only championship we had going on this past weekend. Men's golf was also happening down in uh, a little town right outside of Las Vegas. I had the opportunity to cover that. Eric, for somebody who, yeah, who really doesn't know a whole lot about golf, I learned so much this past weekend and paying attention to everything and everything else going around. It was actually really enjoyable. So I can understand how people get super into golf, Uh, but huge congratulations to New Mexico state on their seventh overall program championship. Comes down to New Mexico state and grand Canyon again. I mean, you talk about this rivalry that they have building up and, and congratulations to the Aggies on winning the championship. Now, I don't know if you learned this uh, about golf this past week in Boulder City, Rachel, but golfers do not like the wind. They do not like the wind and day two and three seem to have day two, a little bit more day three, not as bad, but I talked to Mike Dirks, the head coach at New Mexico state uh, after the championship. And he said his team just has to learn with it because they get a lot of it in Las Cruces too. So they're actually used to playing in the wind and it looks like it paid off a little bit. Yeah. The wind actually went from Boulder city outside of Las Vegas and we, we got it on Sunday a little bit too. And actually in Colorado, I know it was, uh, raining and even snowing a little bit uh, with that uh, weather pattern that came through. But yeah, what a uh, what a finish uh, by the Aggies and congratulations to them on getting the NCAA tournament. Yes, congratulations indeed. Looking at Utah Valley, they have a new head coach in their women's golf department, Eric. Yeah, their coach, uh, Sue Nyhouse, uh, decided uh, it was time to hang up the uh, coaching whistle and they hired uh, Julie Erickson, a former uh, professional golfer, to come in and, and lead the program. So uh, Jared Sumption, the AD at Utah Valley, has been very busy uh, the last few weeks uh, hiring new coaches. Remember, he hired the men's soccer coach recently with the professional background. Now he has a women's golf coach also with a pro background. Yes, he does. And 
we have to talk about soccer real quick for women's. <laughs> they get the win in the NCAA first round against Memphis, Eric. Huge congratulations to the Wolverines. Big win for their coach, Chris LeMay, and their team. They win one to nothing against Memphis. And not only to get in the NCAA tournament, but to win in the first round. And then they advanced to play Arkansas, I believe ranked number six in the country. Mm-hmm. And they they hung with them, Rachel. It was three to one was the final of the Razorbacks winning. But Utah Valley uh, putting up a very good show and representing the WAC very well in the women's soccer tournament. Makes us all extremely proud and happy and a lot of fun to watch. But that wasn't the the only uh, NCAA soccer matches that we got to watch too we had two on the men's side grand canyon and air force grand canyon ends up falling to washington two nil and that's shellis Heinemann's final game here in the collegiate career so excited for him though hopefully he gets to go do some vacations that don't involve soccer he's been coaching i believe 40 years uh, mm-hmm. the sport of soccer and what an interview if you want to go back uh, to the WAC podcast last week and listen to our interview with Shella Simon because it wasn't just about soccer it was it was about life and you could tell what a really good uh, place he's in personally and, and I think accepting that, uh, that the coaching career is coming to an end but still loving sports but uh, now having that time to spend with his family and getting GCU to the men's soccer uh, NCAA tournament two of the last three seasons he was coaching huge congratulations to him on his career there Air Force also in the tournament playing Seton Hall this game came down to the very end the 88th minute where unfortunately Seton Hall was able to win 2-1 but how about the Falcons truly putting up a fight getting the equalizer and then just falling short and we had Doug Hill on a, a couple of weeks ago the head coach of the Falcons mm-hmm. and I mean they were on the bubble to even make the WAC tournament and they not only get in as the sixth seed and, and make it all the way to, and get the AQ because they weren't going to get in otherwise. Uh, GCU had the at-large bid, but Air Force almost winning in the first round, pulling off a huge upset against Seton Hall. Uh, kudos to the Falcons. But I guess, you know, the fact that uh, all those players are going to be in the military and the future generals someday, that makes you makes you feel kind of good that uh, they, they have that gumption within them to, uh, to put it together on the men's soccer field pitch I a good say. way to put it good way to put it uh and also that's why you play the game right you never know who's really gonna win i think that's what makes sports so much fun uh, also a huge shout out to grand canyon's ethan thomas who sets a school record for 2.6 meter jump in the high jump how exciting is that not only it's an olympic trial t- or height as well yeah 2.26 meter uh, high jump for ethan thomas he had an automatic qualifier for the Olympic trials, which will be coming up. We, we haven't even, I mean, we've been so busy with, with everything uh, right now, Rachel, is that Tokyo Olympics are coming up this summer mm-hmm. and Ethan gets to uh, try to qualify for that. So congratulations to him. He's a former division two national champion in the high jump, went to Colorado Mesa uh, out in Grand Junction, transferred to Grand Canyon. And if you look at our uh, athletes of the week, every week in, in outdoor track and field, pretty much his mug shot has been on there almost every week. So I'm very excited. You're going to be heading to Edinburgh, Texas here next week, Rachel, to see the outdoor track and field championship. So I'd be interested Mm -hmm. to see what Ethan Thomas does uh, at the uh, WAC championships. Looking forward to it. I cannot wait. Although not sure if I'm prepared for the humidity and the heat. I know we've (laughs) talked about that a few times on the podcast, but 
we'll get ready for it. And I know those athletes will be excited too for their championship. Uh, baseball standings though, Eric, we've got two more sports on that after we get through softball. Well, I guess let's start with softball first since that's going to be coming up next week as well. It is. It's going to be in Seattle and we're very excited there as New Mexico State, uh, when I was in Las Cruces, they had home baseball and home softball going on. So hats off to Mario Mocha and his staff for all the things they had going on hosting the WAC tennis tournaments in home baseball and home softball. In softball, they were down nine to nothing to Utah Valley. And they, remember, there was the run rule in softball. Mm-hmm. They were about to get run ruled. They come storming back, and Maya Martinez hits a home run to make it 12 to 10 a walk-off, I think it was the bottom of the ninth. Uh, they play seven innings in softball, so one extra innings. And what a season. Uh, they've really uh, been on a roll lately. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting there because I was, I was monitoring the games that night. It was on Friday. And to see them come back, they've now won nine in a row. They're 12-3. and three. Uh, Utah Valley is a very good team. But uh, right now uh, the, the Aggies are, are tough to beat in softball. That's just crazy. I can't even imagine the atmosphere of that happening. Huge hats off to them. As we take a look at the baseball standings as well, CBU still sits atop the WAC standings and they're on a 10 game win streak there. <laughs> yeah. You do not want to be uh, facing CBU anytime soon right now. 10 wins in a row. They're 21 and three in the WAC. This is very women's basketball CBU like, wouldn't you say, Rachel? I mean, based that the Lancers are, are so good this year. And like their women's basketball team, which went actually went undefeated the entire season and went to mm-hmm. the WNIT, but their baseball team proving that they can hang with anybody right now. Yeah, CBU continuing to impress all of us here in the WAC. They sure have been a fun addition. Up next, we're going to have Greg Prudholm, GCU's men's and women's head coach for tennis. Make sure you stick around to listen to that. We'll be right back. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Daner and Rachel B. Hill with the GCU Men's and Women's Head Coach for Tennis at Bragg Fruit Home. Coach, I have to ask you, how was the Gatorade bath that you got last week? Well, it actually, the secret is it wasn't Gatorade. So they, they spared me the stickiness and maybe being a bee magnet. It was just water. And in fact, it was, it was really nice after that, that tense final match. Yeah, coach, I guess, uh, you know, Gatorade's one of our sponsors. So we want to give a shout out to them, but it's a little different this year because they don't have the big uh, Gatorade containers, maybe like years past. Right. I think that's, I think that's how I got spared. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was a, it was a COVID protocol save, but it was still a Gatorade jug and the players were still consuming their Gatorade when they were playing. Co- Coach, I was there in the, in Las Cruces for the championships. And uh, let's I guess, start with the men, even though the women went first, but the men's championship I've been to several uh, tennis tournaments over the years, uh, collegiate tennis tournaments. I don't think I've ever seen one that exciting. Championship match, you're playing New Mexico State. You guys were kind of the two powerhouses this year. Comes down to the final uh, pairing, which was the number fours, and they play three sets. And it comes down to the end of, of the three sets. That, that Was that as exciting a match as you've seen as a collegiate tennis coach? 
Oh, it was phenomenal. You you described it well, and I'm glad you appreciated it for what it was because it, it that it was phenomenal. And I, you know, my heart goes out to New Mexico State and, and their four player and you know their whole program because it, you know, if you do it long enough, you're going to fall on both sides of that. But gosh, when you win that, yeah, it, it it's the celebration was priceless with the players, and and I know everybody's deserving. And we've seen them celebrate, you know, three years ago when we played them um, in Mesa, our first time eligible. Um, it, it wasn't dissimilar at all. It was a, a third set in a final match. And, and then when the women uh, got us last two years ago in Brownsville. So it was our turn. You know, you sometimes need fortune and luck. But yes, back to your question. Um, it was super exciting. If you were going to script a final match, you would want it to come down to the third set the score tied three all and a good competitive close third set. And, and that's exactly what we got. Coach, what do you tell your players right before that third set to motivate them if they even need that little bit of extra motivation? Yeah. Um, at that point, there's, there's definitely plenty to tell, but hopefully it's not about motivation at that point. I think they, you know, this freshman, this poor guy, he, he was freshman of the year and, and he sure earned, earned that title um, by being the clincher in the biggest moment of, of his college tennis career up to this point and, and uh, of this season. But yeah, um, it's a combination of, of tactics and emotional control, but the ratio is skewed more heavily towards the emotional control part and less to the tactical part. When you get to that third set, so much is it, of it is more about the heart um, and the will at that point, um, and a little less about the X's and the O's. Coach, we had a chance to talk to Valentin Lang, the WAC Singles Player of the Year after your championship, and I asked him about, uh, was he at all distracted? Because he's on court one, and the Silva's on court four. They're both in the third set. You know, whoever that there's a chance, you know, you maybe don't finish. And, and he actually admitted to me he was a little bit uh, distracted, especially when he fell behind and, and saw De Silva was doing well. That's, that's something you don't really think about, but it's kind of unique to the sport of college tennis. I, I hope he was being honest. I was going to interrupt you and say he better have said yes when you ask him that. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's great. He, he, he is honest Abe for sure. Um, it's an interesting dynamic and, and that, Interestingly enough, you know, to I mentioned it in the interview on court um, Sunday, but you know, you want to get into one of my secrets, geez. Um, and I'm sure uh, every coach goes there with their players. But that's one of the things for a, a freshman tennis player to learn about team college tennis because it's an individual sport um, for most of their tennis life until they get to college. And the dynamic that plays from court to court is, is incredibly influential um, from court to court. So you can be distracted, um, you can be motivated and, and pumped up from what you're seeing by your teammate or what you're seeing by your teammate's opponent if they're coming unraveled. Um, and you can also become defeated if you're seeing teammates hanging their heads and their energy dropping. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of dynamics going on from court to court. And it's interesting at the, the front courts at New Mexico state, how there's the three groups of two, 
Um, so that changes dynamics too when we're playing the semifinals in the long line of six courts. So it's a little bit easier to kind of see what's going on on all of the courts, but these two courts are kind of like their own islands. And so those two courts are gonna really play off of each other more so I think than when you have all the six right there. So yeah, that was a good observation to, to notice that because it definitely, um, the, in fact, there was one time where I was having to calm Val down where he said out loud to himself, like, focus on your own court, focus on your own court. So I was like, Val, hey, good advice. Focus on your own court. Coach, how do you see the maturity of all these players grow in their college career since it is so individualized before they come to college? And then once they get there, they really do have to focus on that team mentality. Yes. When we recruit them, obviously that's a, a tricky um, thing to do is we're trying to talk about the team aspect. We're trying to find out if we think these players are open, if they're looking forward to being on a team. Have you been on a team before? Have you played other sports? Um, and if they haven't played other sports, um, it, it definitely could be more interesting and you might have more work to do as the coach to get them to blend in with the team. So we talk a lot about that in the recruiting process and then they get there. Of course, they're going to tell you what they want to hear, what, what they think you want to hear. Um, and then they get there and it's almost as if, oh, you said that we were going to be on a team, but I didn't know we were really going to be on a team. Um, so the maturity that that's one of the things doing it as long as I have, I mean, I want to win as much as anybody for sure. Um, but it, it's more meaningful. My job takes on more meaning and I don't know that it, I would still be a, a sports coach for my career to make my children look up to it as a, as a worthwhile profession or for my wife to still be interested if I'm just coaching a game but it's not just coaching a game. It is coaching that maturity and the team relationships and, and being resilient. So um, that's the best part of this whole thing is getting to see those, those soft skills behind the tennis. Coach, uh, you also won the women's championship uh, on, on the same day. So again, congratulations to you on that. And the Mexico State Grand Canyon, we talk a lot about them and men's basketball and some other sports. Nice rivalry here in tennis. And actually the same day you win both championships and men's golf, it comes down to New Mexico State yeah. Grand Canyon for the men's golf championship. What is it about this, this rivalry? Is there a little extra uh, juice uh, with your, your team anytime you play the Aggies? Um, you know, it's an honor. In fact, there is extra juice. And when we came into the WAC, we knew they were um, one of, if not the team to beat. And then shortly after, you know, a year or two, for sure, they were the team to beat. So no, it's, it, it's an honor. We, we have so much respect for them. And um, I, I see it coming from them to us too. And I really um, cherish and appreciate that from Carlos and, and his crew. It's, it's fun if we ever, you know, when we're at the whack pods and we're not playing each other or when we are playing each other, but you see him on a practice day you see them on a match day. It's really nice to see the players from both squads chatting with each other, saying hello. Um, so we do get juiced up. We, we, they bring the best out of us because we know we have to be at our best because if we're not, um, it won't go well. So it's a combination of just trying our best to rise to the occasion, knowing that we're playing 
um, you know, one of the greats in the conference, um, as well as the respect that we have for them. Coach, in such a unique and challenging year, how much more meaningful is it to walk away with two championships? Yeah, I mean, it's more than I deserve. I mean, I, I, it's still hard to put in words. Um, you know, I'm more than just a tennis coach. Um, as a human being, you know, a husband, a father, a brother, and I, I do other things. Um, in tennis, I'm the USPTA head tester for the Southwest United States. So I certify people who want to be tennis pros. I, I teach sports psychology courses at the university online. I can do that when I'm traveling with the team. But the emotions that came out this year, and especially with this championship, I can't kid anybody. I'm a tennis coach. So um, it was, yeah, it was extra meaningful. I know everybody is, is going through it. So everybody has, has the same, had the same challenges. So we weren't unique there. Um, but we won two years ago with the men and we lost in the finals in that in the same dramatic fashion as our men won two days ago. That's how our women lost to New Mexico state women and they deserved it. That's how we beat them in the regular season that year down to the last match and we got the regular season and that's how they beat us in the tournament final. So it, it, two good teams on any given day. But since that year, you know, we came into the beginning of last year and, and we were plagued with injuries and illness. We had a guy have the mumps. I mean, I didn't know you could still get the mumps. <laughs> a stress fracture in a foot, a torn abdominal muscle, uh, somebody's family member getting ill and leaving. So both squads were banged up last year on the win-loss record. And just as I thought things were turning um, and we won our last matches, COVID struck. And in our quest to try to stay strong in the whack and, and be ready for postseason, now that we know what it's like to go postseason, um, I built a really strong schedule playing ASU and U of A twice with both teams and uh, Utah in Pac-12 and BYU both sides. So we got banged up to start this season on top of it. So we were getting roughed up last year. We were getting roughed up at the beginning of this year. We're dealing with COVID like everybody else, wondering if we get to see another week of practice, another match. Are things going to continue? Are they going to get shut down? So when you wrap all that together, it's a little surreal to be here talking to you guys after that Sunday. And I told Eric there that, you know, he was sharing what very well might be the greatest day of coaching in my career. Not that but I you also mentioned, I mean, being able to celebrate with your daughters, one daughter on the team playing this year, another daughter as an assistant coach. And you just talked about yeah. how, you know, you have all these different hats that you wear. And I know uh, it, it's hard to differentiate sometimes coach and dad, but I imagine that had to yeah. be extra special for you. I didn't sleep much Saturday night. Um, it was super special. Um, I can't, again, I don't take for granted that I coach my children. Like it's like bring your child to work day every day. It's supposed to only happen like once a year if you're lucky. <laughs> um, so I had Tatum for the four years and she spent her whole four years in our provisional um, division one time. So my oldest daughter, played number one for us on the team and you know she she was a very strong tennis player um got into it earlier 
at an earlier age than my second daughter, Autumn, who's with us right now. Um, so she never got to play conference tournament. We won two regular seasons, which, which were amazing. And, and so we had a blast. And so for Autumn to come along and, um, you know, she's not playing in the top of the lineup, but she's on a, a 13 match doubles winning streak at position two, which might be our longest division one winning streak. She um, was first team doubles the second time she's been a first team doubles player. Um, I'm so proud of, um, you know, she's her own person and own tennis player. And, you know, I told her one time to put it in perspective that, you know what, you'll be ready to play D1 tennis when you're done playing D1 tennis. So like, that's the goal. Just, just do the best you can. She's like that. I think, I think I got ready to play D1 tennis before it's over. So yeah, the dad part of me, you know, they're all my kids. You guys have been around sports long enough to know that I think um, when you're a coach, all of your players, you're, you're their tennis dad. Um, when these kids come from away from home or overseas, I'm their American dad. Um, but then when I'm really her dad, yeah, it's a balancing act to not let the, the personal emotions um, influence, um, you know, my critical thinking or my body language, or um, I don't want to make her or them nervous by coming off so that th this was super special and you know something that I can definitely take to the grave. Coach you, you mentioned that balancing act so does that mean that tennis stays on the court even and then when you're at home you're talking about different things or do they intermingle a little bit? Yeah it, it does um, I was often accused of with you know sight unseen oh you're the dad and the coach you're one of those um, and yeah, there was a lot of those around and I had the fortune of teaching tennis at a young age and seeing, um, those, you know, sad situations. It was a real pity. Um, I didn't know how I would parent, but I knew how I wouldn't. And, you know, I, when I have kids, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to do that. So I made it you know, the most important thing to me that when I had children and they started playing tennis, that our relationship would come first um, by 10 miles. Um, so that's what makes it work. That's, you know, my oldest daughter, when I said, do you want to take any recruiting trips somewhere? And she was offended, like, you don't want me to play for you, daddy? And I said, of course I do. I just didn't want you to think you had to. Um, so when she says that, I'm you know, thank God, I guess I've done something right that she doesn't hate me. Um, so when we do talk about tennis off the court, it's, it's usually always in good spirit. I mean, we're probably going to be talking about tennis quite a bit right now because we have so many nice stories to share and, and memories to recollect on over this past season. So it's that type of tennis talk, not get your darn serve in the box, honey. <laughs> well, Coach, uh, on Monday, the selection show happened, and on the women's side, uh, you're going to play UCLA and Los Angeles, the men's side, going to Los Angeles as well to play USC, obviously uh, two Pac-12 powerhouses. How, how do you get your teams ready, and uh, are you going to be playing at, at, at the same time? I, I didn't get to see the schedule yet. Well, um, Stella Sampras, the coach of UCLA, what a sweetheart. Um, and then the coaches of Texas Tech and San Diego. We were scheduled to play at one o'clock with the women. 
at UCLA and one o'clock with the men at UCLA, both on Friday. And I had emailed Stella um, because I saw the time posted first for the men's USC match. So I said, Stella, I don't, if it doesn't work, it's not practical or feasible. I don't want to cause any problems, no worries. But if it were possible to play the earlier match in the day, that'd be fantastic because as, as you know, I coached the men and we also qualified. And she emailed right back and she said, I'll forward this to my administrator, but wow, congratulations. That would be great. We'll try. And it was about 90 minutes later yesterday, I got a return email and it had the other coaches, San Diego and Texas Tech, who were already scheduled to play at 10, who all agreed to change the time. And so they switched it for us. We play at 10 with the women. So my main focus will be um, getting the women off for that match and, and I'll be there with them. And, and if and when it's over and I have time to fight the LA freeway, <laughs> the, the 13 miles that could take an hour, <laughs> um, then we're gonna head over to USC and, and I, sh I should be able to make it at match time. I'll have my assistant coach and our graduate assistant being there with the men, getting them off to a good warm up. Um, so thanks to other great sports um, in, in our game, um, they were willing to work with us. So I thought that was really special, but yeah, as far as the tennis, yeah, we're, I mean, talk about playing legends of the game of division one college tennis in both of those programs. Um, maybe combined, they have more, uh, national championships than, you know, the rest of the country together, who knows? Um, but you know, we're excited for it. Sports are truly a family. I feel like you don't really really understand it until you're a part of it so it's awesome to hear and so excited that you'll hopefully be able to attend both of them my last question for you coach is uh actually not really i mean i guess it's kind of tennis related but more sports psychology can you drop uh, us a fact on sports psychology drop a fact okay yep, it can be anything here's one they say that tennis especially because it's an individual sport um like golf and other individual sports that it's 90 percent mental and 10% psychological, if you get yeah. that, if you get that joke. <laughs> How much physical is, is it then? Right. Oh, there's that. Um, <laughs> no. It needs to work out. <laughs> the, with, the, with the mental part of the game, it's what baffles my mind, you know, being a master's in psychology and doctorate in performance psychology and just being a student of the mental, um, you know, if... Eric's seen me standing up. I'm not that tall, meaning, meaning I'm short. You know, I was always the smallest guy on the soccer field when I played soccer internationally. I'm the smallest guy on the tennis court. So if I were to compete back then, it had to be more than muscles. It had to be more than just the physical element. And so I kind of lucked out being a slighter stature unknowingly. At the time, I was cursing my mom because she's 5'1". I'm like, mom, it's your fault that and so what I didn't realize is that it was a blessing because I learned that there was more to, um, you know, being successful and performing at a high level in, in a sport than just the, the, the physical skills. So what baffles me is that it still seems, I saw my first uh, sports psychologist speak live in 1988 in the National Junior Tournament in Tucson. And it, it blew my mind. And now here we are you know, decades later, and it still seems like it's in an, in an infancy stage 
where it still seems abstract and people don't really understand how to put a finger on the mental skills and the value of them and how to coach them. So that's my ambiguous answer to a, <laughs> a sports psychology question. Well, Coach Brudholm, we want to wish you the best of luck uh, this upcoming week in Los Angeles. Say, uh, and uh, how fortunate it is that uh, hopefully you'll be able to coach both teams. Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Thank you so much. Thanks for you guys hanging in there and allowing all of the student athletes to compete in all the sports um, and being out there with us on the weekend. Um, I feel like that being a college athlete, especially in the conferences and the universities that allowed them to compete and, and put out the resources to do it, I feel like that was under the circumstances of COVID, they were living their best lives. So um, we appreciate that. All right, that is Greg Prudhomme, head men's and women's tennis coach for Grand Canyon University. Thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACSports.com.